to give you a quick recap, Bob has been teaching on godly relationships. And so he's um, taught on agape love, which is that foundational, unconditional, sacrificial love. He's taught on our church family, our regular blood family, and our professional relationships. And so what I'm going to talk about today, it's going to be godly relationships and the idea of friendships. And if you can make sure to start my timer, that would be great. Um, And so... While I studied this, um, there was so much kind of going into it. You know, you think to yourself, it's friendship. How difficult could it be? I know what it means to have a friend, to be a friend. Um, But as I'm reading in the Bible and I'm looking at uh, the wealth of of Scripture and information that is in the Bible uh, directing us and guiding us in all of our relationships, I thought to myself, there's so much more there than I could touch on in 35 minutes. So we encourage you, as Bob said, to take notes, write something down. If I say something that piques your interest or makes you start to think about something else, take the time to go back and study that some more. Read a little bit more about that. It is so amazing what the Holy Spirit can do and reveal to you as you are going through the Bible. No matter what you are looking for, the Holy Spirit can guide you in that and take you even farther. So I just wanna, I wanna put that out as an encouragement. But what I'm gonna share is I'm gonna share with you what I found in my study. And um, having, you know, you have to decide a direction, right? You know, there's so many great things in the Bible, but you have to decide a way you want to go when you're going to talk about something. So my direction is, is a godly friendship, some ways for us to recognize if we are being godly in our friendship, if the person in our friendship is also godly, and when it's okay or is it okay to walk away from a friendship that you do not feel is a godly friendship. So we're going to talk about that. All right, so we need a place to start. Not every scripture about friendship uses that phileo love that we've talked about in the past. And we're going to bring up that phileo uh, definition here so we have a starting place. All right, affectionate friendship properly to show warm affection and intimate friendship characterized by tender heartfelt consideration and kinship. And this comes from philos, which is this next section here, to be a friend, to be a friend to, fond of, an individual or an object, remember that, object, have affection for denoting personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or feeling. So like I said, not every scripture that talks about this uses those words you know, uses the word phileo or philos. It does, it, but there's so much information about that. We needed something to start with, something to give us a starting point. But one of the things that jumped out to me at the very beginning of this study was the difference between an agape love, which is unconditional and sacrificial and deep, 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 and phileo love. Because a friendship love can be deep, but if you can have that kind of affection towards an object, that sentimentality, that shows you that it's, it's kind of a different thing. Now, when I think about sentiment, uh, to give you an example, if you are a parent, very likely you might have um, really an unmanageable amount of memorabilia 
from your kids, right? I, I don't know if everybody's that way, but I have found that I am one of those people that keeps, I'm like so sentimental about everything. You know, I have things that Sage, you know, when she was first able to scribble something on a piece of paper, oh, it's her first scribble, you know? So of course I have to keep that, you know? I think sometimes we get that way about people as well. People who we have lived through something with, we might have a sentimental attachment to them, but that's not necessarily a godly friendship, all right? We have to be able to kind of meld that agape love with that phileo love to get something that is truly rich and deep. And we'll, we'll talk about that because I know that's hard. So just kind of keep that in mind as we talk about friendship and some of the things that a friendship should include if, if it's going to work, all right? So again, looking at those definitions, it implies a love based on history, sentimentality, familiarity. Jesus had friends, right? Jesus had that agape love for everybody, but he had friends. He had that phileo love for Lazarus, his friend. He had friendships. It was, a, it was a different layer of that love. We might be friends with somebody because they have the same interests or sense of humor or background with us. Again, that background, that history can create that fondness, that sentimental love that is part of a friendship. It's not as deep as agape because by its very nature, it's still contingent on circumstances, right? the quality of that kind of love would be based on the condition of the bearer of that love. Is that person capable of love or capable only to that extent of where they are fond or sentimental about something? It's, there's some really fine differences in that. And they're not wrong. Plenty of us have people, we call them acquaintances, or people that you've seen at church, but you don't really know anything about them. You see them, you're friendly. That's good. That's totally fine. But I feel like we often are really desiring to have deep friendships. And sometimes we are disappointed when we don't. And I think that that can do with um, our expectation might be unreasonable. We might not even take into account the condition of the bearer of that love back to us. And I think that's important. I think that's important. So one of the things you might think is, okay, in order for me to be a good friend, you know, do I have to do something special to get ready? Do I prep? You know, you, you stretch and you all that kind of stuff before you exercise. Do I have to do anything special? And in today's society, we often hear the concept of self-love. And uh, it was really funny when I was studying this, a lot of times I would, he- I would be reading something and they'd be self-love and in parentheses, the good kind, all right? Um, because you hear, okay, before you can love somebody else, you have to love yourself. It doesn't really sound bad or wrong, but if you look at what the Greek word for self-love, and do not hold me to this pronunciation, philoptia. The Bible doesn't say a whole bunch about loving yourself. Nothing good, at least, that I could see. Self-love, self-conceit, undue regard for oneself or one's own, one's own interests. So then as I was thinking about it, 
We talk about you have to have this right before you can do this right. Is it really that we have to love ourselves or is it that we have to accept Jesus's unconditional agape love for us? That we have to accept it, we have to enjoy it, we have to just say, really, I am not capable of loving myself in the way that Jesus can, so I'm going to let him do the heavy lifting on this. I'm going to accept that love from him so that I can be infilled with that Holy Spirit and give that agape love out. And that's just something to think about, right? It's not like somewhere in the Bible, there's like a list of those things. That's something we need to think about those. I want you to to kind of just resonate on that. Have you tried to go into a book to figure out a way to fix yourself so that you are worthy of being somebody's friend? Or have you said to yourself, I'm going to accept Jesus's agape love and let that guide me in all my relationships, no matter what they are. So if you um, have heard this scripture before, which I'm sure most of us have, Galatians 6, 2, we should have that. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So in this, it doesn't use the word love, right? But it's still about that type of friendship connection. This isn't a transference of burdens, not like with Jesus, right? Jesus took our burdens from us. This is a sharing of burdens. A friend, a godly friend, will not take their burdens and expect you to take them away from them. They're not gonna just hand their burdens over to you and you shouldn't do that to your friend. We have to remember that Jesus took that. That's Jesus' job. We cannot be Jesus to somebody else. What they're talking about here is shouldering something, a mutual thing where one person is strong in that moment and another person is strong in another moment. It's, it's a reciprocal act, something that um, is intentional and something that is agreed upon, right? You're, you're doing this together. So I'm gonna give you uh, an example something that I just kind of think about. Have you ever had, um, as a teen or a young person, that friend who every time you're with them, you make very bad, poor, terrible choices, you know? And uh, if you're a little older, maybe you, you're past that. You know, you, you pass that. But most of us, no matter what our intent is, has that person or has had that person in the past where when we spend time with them, nothing good happens. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that you're not supposed to care for them anymore? But does it mean that maybe that friendship relationship isn't something that is good for you? And do you feel like that's ungodly? To, be, to say, I can't be friends with this person. So we look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. So this talks about the tension between that friendship, love, and that Christ-like agape love. Now Jesus, he was able to be with anybody. He could be with prostitutes, with tax collectors, with anybody, and it never changed 
who he was, his character, right? But are we Jesus? No, we're humans. So sometimes we can be affected. The goal is not, the goal is that we would not be affected, that we could be out there and we could be that light to people and we can, but sometimes there's that certain chemistry, whatever it is, and you're like, I am not safe in this relationship. This is not a good relationship for me. Maybe it's addiction or drinking or whatever it is, anything in excess, whatever it is that you're like, you know what? This friend is so fun when I'm with them, but afterwards, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I, f- I believe in my study, I'm looking at that, that I think that it's okay to say this is not a friendship that I can really be part of. But we can still love, pray, and intercede for those that we can't have an act of friendship with. That type of love, that agape love, where we are still interceding for them, loving for them, having unconditional, right? They, they, we can't be friends because friendship is conditional, but I can still have that sacrificial, unconditional agape love for them. I can still pray for them. They are still a burden on my heart and will be forever. That's a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice when you can't just walk away. If you can just walk away and say, I'm never gonna give you a second thought and good luck with your life, that's not sacrificing anything, right? Sometimes we think about sacrifice has to be a, a physical, tangible thing. But sometimes that sacrifice is the burden on our heart to continuously intercede and pray for someone, all right? And truly pray for them. Not like, oh, I can't wait till X blows up in their face, right? So that they'll learn their lesson. To truly want for things to be right for them. But it's okay for it to be right for them and you to pray and intercede for them doesn't mean that you should put yourself in a dangerous place. That's okay. So this Galatians scripture is the mutual shouldering of burdens to help one another in a time of need, a reciprocal act, a two-way street. And it made me think of, you know, when you travel, you know, if you travel alone, it's up to you to figure everything out. You have to carry all your own luggage, you have to get the tickets, you have to find out where you're pick up your luggage afterwards. If you're traveling with a friend or somebody else, you guys can split that, right? You can, it makes it easier. It makes that burden of what you're doing simpler. And you can uh, rely on each other's strengths. If one person is physically stronger, like so for instance, I might be positioning myself off of the tramway as we bring the luggage. Bob's doing the heavy lifting. I'm just going to be honest. You know, he's lifting out there, and then I'm wheeling them out of the way. So we know how that works. We've got a strategy, and it works really well for us. But that is the kind of, of relationship with a friend that you get when you spend time to get to know each other. You build that trust of speaking into each other's lives and taking part in the sorrows and the joys in an honoring way. And it's certainly simpler when everyone's on the same page Phileo love doesn't take that same commitment as agape love, right? So for friends, you usually want to have some commonalities. And um, I'll talk about this a little bit as we get, you know, farther down here. But, you know, friendship takes work. And when it's conditional, when 
you don't have to do it. We're called to agape love, so we have to do that. But friendship is different in that way. And so we have to decide how important that friend is to us, right? And we have to set our expectations in a reasonable place. If we go to um, this verse in Proverbs 27, 9, it says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. So I don't think I have to really do a word study on the word sweet. I think that it's clear that it would be kind. It would be encouraging. Even if it's something difficult that you have to talk to somebody, it does not say bludgeon your friend into submission. It does not say embarrass your friend. It does not say make them feel condemned. How often has somebody come to you with something that they feel you should know, and if they say it in an unkind way, you close your ears, even if it's true, right? Even if it's true. And a friendship, again, if it's a two-way street, how do you build the trust of allowing someone to speak into your life and them allowing you to speak into their life if they feel unsafe? if they feel that you don't have love and kindness for them. So we come to this scripture in Romans, and this is where I'll tell my little story, given some example of, of friendship. Uh, Romans 12, 10 through 11. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference, preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word lagging is lazy. So don't be lazy in your, in your friendship, in your devotion. Friendships take work. So my example to you, so I want you guys to think about this for a second. Who here has read the book, or at least is familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages? Anybody? Okay, great. So often we think about this only in the context of a marriage, right? How a wife and a husband can relate to each other when sometimes their idea of expressing love is totally different. So now think about what your love language is in that. And then think about your friendships, all right? Have you ever had that friend where you think to themselves, yourself, gosh, if they really liked me, they would X. Have you ever considered that your friend may be thinking, if they really liked me, they would why. Okay? So think about those love languages. It's the same thing with friends. Friends show love in different ways. So for me, mine is acts of service, right? Uh, I am that weird person that I would love to help my friend clean her house or her kitchen. I love that. That's how I show love, those acts of service. Not everybody is that way. So my friend, Teresa, she and I became friends uh, 2014, end of 2014, that area. And we hit it off right away. So you hit it off, you have that good chemistry, you're like, I like this person. I like them enough to continue to get to know them better. And then um, there's a lot of things we have in common, but a lot of things that aren't, which is good, keeps it interesting. And then Teresa moves away to Idaho. And I'm like, oh, you know, here I had somebody who I really was feeling that connection with. So this is the difference between somebody who's your kind of friend and somebody 
who you really have made that commitment to be a friend to. I am not good at sending birthday cards, all right? I'm just gonna tell you, I don't know why. I was a project manager. I'm excellent at managing projects. I cannot for the life of me get a birthday card out on time to anybody. Not my family, they know it in advance. It's always like, hey, happy late birthday, blah, blah, blah. And maybe if you're a little kid in our family, you get a little extra money from me because I'm always late in the birthday card. For Teresa, though, the birthday card is a big thing. And it's not just enough to get the birthday card. It can't be there late, right? Because for her, she doesn't feel like she was important enough for me to remember to get it out in time. So I go through extraordinary lengths to get that birthday card out to her early. But what happened is like I went ahead and I sent it way early one time. And what was her response? Why did the birthday card get here so early? And I'm thinking, oh, for crying out loud, girl, I got it. I got it before your birthday. But that clued me in to how she felt about that. So what did I do? So now the whole thing is getting that birthday card in within that two-week window, right? That's the acceptable window of earliness. Would I do that for everyone? No. I don't even do it for my family most of the time, right? But she is a friend. She's somebody I have I trust, I value what she thinks. I trust her to, have, to give me godly advice. I feel like we are coming from the same place essentially as believers, right? And it's important to me and has been important to me enough to get to know her better, to know where she is, the condition of her heart, what her expectations are, and she in the reverse. So it's reciprocal in that way. Our expectations are realistic, and we've been kind and loving to each other enough for us to continue to want it to be that way. And that's an important thing. Expectations are built by all of the different experiences that we have. So if you think about a a friendship, if you... If you could just walk away and never think about them again, then that probably wasn't really ever a friendship to begin with. We have to remember that if that person, maybe they're not a believer, what's the condition of their heart? What's the condition? What's the best that they could do as a friend? You have to have that expectation because their ability to be a friend back to you is just the same as their ability to be able to or not be able to experience that agape love, right? So that condition of the bearer is so important and our ability to hang in there sometimes long enough to have something that is amazing in the way of a friendship. And not everybody you meet is gonna be that best friend, nor should they be. The depth of it is what makes it special. So if friendships take work, We know the agape love, the unconditional sacrificial love takes the Holy Spirit. So it's a whole nother level of love. But if you can incorporate that into that friendship love, amazing things can happen. So do we miss an opportunity if we close the door on a friendship? We do. We do miss an opportunity. Maybe that person, we we could have grown into amazing friends. 
You know, maybe you sense something from the beginning that's going to be a problem. So whereas we may miss an opportunity on that, just because we close the door on a friendship, does that mean we close the door on agape love? Nope. <laughs> right? We are always, always called to love that way. We are called to love our enemies. So if you think about, if you think a friendship is hard, think about how much more difficult that is to be able to love your enemies. So in my opinion, it'd be way more fun to try to work on that friendship, right? And to understand, again, the different levels of what that friendship is, that expectation. For your friend not to expect you to be God to them, to be Jesus to them, you cannot fix everything for them. If you feel like you're not getting what you should get from all your friendships, look to Jesus. He's the best friend you will ever have. Don't expect your friend to fill that Jesus role, right? It puts a lot less pressure on the friendship part where you can really just love each other for for who you are and work on being good to each other in that way. So what's the bottom line? As we go through and I'm, I'm looking at all this information, a godly love for each other, a godly friendship is reciprocal, okay? Again, you have to have some give and take in that. It doesn't have to be exactly the same give and take. It's not quid pro quo, right? I did exactly this for you and I expect you to do exactly that for me because the condition of that person might be needing something totally different. And if you do something that's awesome for you, for your friend, that's not the same as doing something for your friend, bearing their, helping them shoulder a burden. It needs to be something that's reciprocal. means that you trust each other to give each other counsel. That's good and godly advice. And to know that when your friend is asking you for that advice, it's because they trust you, because you have that history. If your friend never asks your opinion on something, you might question why that is. Do they not trust that you will be loving? Do they think that you'll be judgmental? Think about how you interact with somebody in that way. Your counsel should be sweet to their ears. They should be able to hear that it's in love, whether it's something difficult that you have to counsel them on or something that's fun and awesome. You should be able to give correction again consolation. When somebody's heart is breaking over something, even if you saw it coming, you have to be able to feel that sorrow. Because if they're your friend, you're not happy about that. You know, it's an opportunity maybe for them to learn a hard lesson, and you can be that light, that anchor in the storm for them, so that they know that you didn't want this for them, right? And that you will help be their friend, do this. And be wise enough when it's something that it isn't your place to take for them, to point them towards Jesus. And if they're not a believer, that's tough. That is tough. But we are meant to put ourselves out there to to share the good news. And if we can be that safe space for them where we are being honest and truthful You're not just saying something because that's what they want to hear, but you can say it in love and you are modeling that love to them. That might be just the spark that opens up that door for them 
to be looking at Jesus, for looking at Jesus's friendship and his agape love towards them. A godly friendship includes encouragement, encouraging um, your friend to continue to step out in their purpose. If they don't know what their purpose is, to encourage them to find that purpose, to encourage them to encourage them to care enough about what they're meant to do in this life that they don't want to do it all by themselves. Because it's easy to be a lone wolf sometimes. And, and there are many, many times that we may be, um, you know, Jesus is my, my best friend and that is all I need. And it is all we need. But Jesus put us around a lot of other people so it wouldn't have to be that way. And there are so many lovely, lovely, lovely outcomes of a good and deep friendship. But that friendship love, that phileo love, it's also conditional. And that's the difference. That's the rub. That's the one where, as, even as Christians, we can walk away from a friendship. That friendship love, even though we are not to walk away from that Agape, unconditional, sacrificial love. Worship team, you can start coming up. So if it's conditional, as we talked about before, hinging on the condition of the bearer, what is the bearer capable of? So one thing that wasn't in my notes originally, but I brought it up last service and I'm going to bring it up here too. As I was studying this, you're probably familiar with the scripture, the section that talks about um, after Peter has denied Jesus three times and Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, you know, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the agape form of love in that sentence, that unconditional sacrificial love. And Peter responds back, yes, I love you. But he uses the phileo form that friendship, that deep friendship love. And Jesus asks him again, same form, same form. And then finally Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? But he uses that phileo form. And Peter, who is brokenhearted about the fact that he denied Jesus, says, yes, you know I do. As I was studying that, it got me to thinking that Jesus really understood the condition of Peter's heart. He was brokenhearted about what he did to his friend, but was Peter even in a, in a place where he was able to execute that agape love, right? Was he even in a place, he believed Jesus, he loved Jesus, and Jesus loved him. But Jesus came down to Peter's level and said, I, do you phileo me? Do you love me as a friend? Because he knew, I believe he knew that at that point, Peter was not in the condition of being able to love 100% unconditionally and sacrificially. And then Jesus knew that. And it was okay because Jesus is the one that models for us. He will come to us wherever we are 
and help us get to wherever we need to be. So agape love is the only love that is unconditional and sacrificial and it's our ultimate goal that that's the kind of love that should be the basis of every single relationship that we have. That agape love. Man, guys, study, 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 study. Every time I get in there, I think I know where I'm going and the Holy Spirit just has his way. You know, he's like, oh yeah, we're checking this out. We're checking this out. We're checking this out. It is worth it. It is an amazing thing to see, to see the depth of every word that God gives us. All right, so we're going to move into communion. And as we move into communion, I want you guys to think about, think about a friend that maybe you haven't touched base with in a while. Think about that friend who's somebody that you really wanted to have that relationship with. And maybe your expectation of that friendship was unrealistic. Maybe you didn't give that a chance because you never thought about where your friend was coming from. Again, that two-way street. Think about rekindling that. Think about reaching out to that person and just laying it all out there. Hey, I'm not going to know unless you tell me. I'm not going to know unless you tell me what you need from me as a friend and vice versa. It's not a guessing game. It's something that bearing your heart and being honest with somebody will allow that to happen. So during communion, think about that. Thank Jesus for being that friend that is always there. Thank Jesus and the Holy Spirit that they will give us advice when we are looking on the next step that we are taking with the friend. If we are struggling in that friendship, be thankful for those things. At the crosses, we've got juice, we've got gluten-free crackers, we've got bread. You can serve yourself, serve your family. Bob and I will be up front here. We'll have wine. But just think about those things and how amazing it is that God is part of every single relationship we have. He will help us with every single relationship we have. And he gives us guidance if we're just willing to look for it and accept it. All right, we're going to go ahead and we're going to close in prayer and then we can go and get out and start doing communion. Lord, thank you so much for a building full of people that could be future friends. We are so thankful that you... Um, you make a way for us to meet those, those people that, um, that you know will enrich us and that we can enrich them, that you make a way for us not to be alone, that we can always rest our hearts in you, but you have given us a way to share community in a special and meaningful way to help shoulder each other's burdens and to help lead each other to you when we forget. God, just thank you for that. We just pray your blessing over everyone in this church today. We love and pray, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 50, 14 says, Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you. If you're feeling that you need rescued right now, you feel forgotten. You're not forgotten by Jesus. In this time of worship and communion, close your eyes and just receive him. He is there for you. You are not hidden. 
No distance. 